Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM, where we dissect topics and issues relating to life in veterinary school. I'm your host, Seth Williams, and I'm a veterinary student at the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine. Today's episode would not be possible without the support of Fear Free. Fear Free provides online and in-person education to veterinary professionals, the pet professional community, and pet owners. Fear Free has become one of the single most transformative initiatives in the history of companion animal practice. Fear Free provides unparalleled education on emotional well-being, enrichment, and the reduction of fear, anxiety, and stress in pets. I've been looking forward to this podcast for a long, long time. I am super excited to welcome on two friends of mine, Dr. Adam Conroy and Dr. Dan Markwalder out of Chicago. They are two wild and crazy guys, uh, so much fun, and they are really passionate about veterinary students, new graduates, mentorship, and really cultivating an awesome culture in veterinary medicine. So without further ado, let's get right into it. I know we've got a lot to talk about and a lot of great information and advice regarding mentorship when you're out of school. Dr. Dan, Dr. Adam, welcome to the podcast. How's it going, guys? Doing well. Thanks for having us, Seth. It's my pleasure. I am super excited to pick your guys' brains tonight. You guys are a ton of fun, so I expect this to be nothing less than extremely entertaining. All right. Sounds great. All right, so my first question uh, to either one of you, so so feel free to take this one, whoever wants it. Um, tell me a bit about yourself, your, your relationship together, your business, uh, what you guys are doing right now. Sure. Yeah, no, we've been, uh, I, I'm uh, Dan Mark Walder. I'm the Mark of Mark Roy Consulting, and uh, we've had a long journey, myself and Adam. I started my first practice at uh, 28 years of age. My My goal in life was to be a, single location, three doctor practice, and I realized that dream uh, by the late 1990s, and then this young new graduate veterinarian, Adam Conroy, entered into my life. I had known Adam for a number of years as uh, my first uh, kennel attendant, and then fast forward when he graduated, I knew he was going to want to come on as a veterinarian and a eventual partner, and that really started our journey, my journey, uh, as a mentor to Adam. And though somewhere around three or four practices later, we said, hey, you know what? We, what we've got going on is pretty special. Why don't we make this a culture of our practice? And it's just been a great opportunity. And in fact, uh, it's the whole genesis for starting Mark Roy Consulting. We want to get the message out that mentorship really should be a part of veterinary medicine. A lot of people are talking about it today, but very few people are truly practicing it. And so... It's my passion. It's it's Adam's passion. And um, again, thanks so much, Seth, for allowing us the opportunity to come on your program and talk a little bit more about it. Oh, totally, for sure. And for for those that are listening, the, the three of us actually met back it's almost a year ago now, back at Uncharted Veterinary Conference uh, in South Carolina, and just had this great conversation about this very topic, mentorship. So that's uh, really why I wanted to, to have you guys on. So um, I know you guys are doing some work with with Daniel Lambert too, with this whole initiative too, right? Yeah, she's been she's been super helpful for us. I mean, she uh, um, very like minded. I mean, I, I think she shares the message that we have as far as she's very passionate about this profession and um, kind of shares the same mindset as far as um, kind of spreading the word as far, as far as 
why this is such a great profession and uh, kind of giving back to others in that insight. Right. Totally. So let's start from a 30,000 foot view and kind of talk about what mentorship means to you. And specifically, what does it mean to you coming from the side of the mentor? Because I know that a lot of us are looking, or we think we know what we're looking for in terms of what we want to be uh, to be mentored by or what our mentorship experience will looks like. Um, but I don't think we hear enough about what mentorship looks like from the other side or from the mentor side. So could you guys just give a, give us uh, some insight on, on what that looks like? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, my, my safe answer with this and Dan's heard me say this a thousand times. I, I think mentorship's a pretty loose term. Mm-hmm. I think most people can agree. It's a, it's like saying you're passionate about something, right? So mentorship, I think what's important when it's coming from a new graduate to an employer it's are, are your definitions in line, right? So if how I define mentorship is different, how you as the applicant defines mentorship, well, if we're not in the same plane, then this isn't going to be a mutually beneficial relationship, right? Right. So I think as an applicant, you knowing your definition and your wants of what you want out of mentorship, those are the types of questions you should be asking your potential employer. And if their, their defined definition or their perception of mentorship or their mentorship program is completely the opposite of that, then I think that's a pretty clear red flag that those things aren't in line. But I think by starting and saying, do you offer mentorship, you can go a thousand different ways with that. I mean, it could be somebody saying, yeah, I'm going to teach you spades and neuters. I'll teach you everything I got. Whereas your definition may be, I want you to show me the business side and teach me how to do TPLOs and I want to know uh, time management and make me a leader. You know, so it's really sit back first and define how you perceive it and then ultimately gauge how your potential employer is going to define that. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with everything that, that Adam just um, communicated. Um, to add a little bit to that, to personalize it for me is I think it's more than just the task of how do I learn, for instance, from my mentor, how to be more proficient in surgery. Um, I think that's a part of mentorship, but it's just one step of mentorship. I think the other key components in mentorship is the emotional support. Um, I look back in, in my mentoring time with Adam, for instance, and a lot of times we had many, many discussions, many talks, way beyond just the day-to-day activity of being a veterinarian. It was a lot about just how are you doing? Uh, what is what's what's going on in your life and then an outpouring of that it's a relationship when you're mentoring somebody you're pouring into that individual and that also means it's a two-way street as a mentor you get as much out of it as you do as the protege or the mentee i'll use danielle as an example that you just mentioned Mm -hmm. danielle danielle has been mentoring me for instance on whole social media when a 53 year old guy is now using instagram that is because of my mentoring that I've been receiving from Danielle. Um, and she said to me early on, Dan, if you want to connect with some of these young veterinarians, you need to get proficient in social media. To a 53-year-old guy, that's like saying, hey, you need to jump out of an airplane. So right. I said, mentor me. And, um, and, and so mentorship at its core is more than task. It's about a relationship. It's about emotional support. And it's very much a two-way street. Sure. That is a great way to look at it. Um, 
And I, I'm definitely more tapped into this now than I was even a year ago, just because I'm, I'm on the, the cusp of, of landing my first job. So this is definitely at the, at the forefront of my mind. But the interesting thing that I've noticed, at least in my few interviews that I've had out in the real world, is that mentorship, in my opinion, does not seem to be on the forefront of, of many employers' minds right now. Is that something that you're finding, too? Yeah, I mean, this is, again, I think this is the genesis of, uh, of why we started Mark Roy. I mean, I feel like there's a need with these young graduates coming out, yet a lot of these young graduates have this phobia that they're scared to enter the real world because th- there's going to be this lack of a true mentor system. And, and I think one of the things that Dan and I pride ourselves on is to spread the word of the success we've had with our externships and our new graduates. And a lot of that stuff is... You have to sit down and on our end, we have to know what their goals are. But more importantly, as a new graduate, you have to know what you want. You have to know where you want to be in one, three, five, ten years. Right. Because if your vision is, I want to be a partner of a practice, yet you're joining with a guy that has absolutely no plan of ever selling or has other motives, then obviously there's going to be some resentment and frustration. So my encouragement to you, I mean, you, as you said, this is with you right now. Obviously, you, you you have your head on straight, and I'm sure you have all your goals, but those are the loaded questions you're asking. Here's what I want. Are you able to offer that? Now, they're going to counter that with, here's what we need and want. And if those things come in line and both people benefit, I think that's a win-win. But if it's something where there's uh, an employer that is hiring based upon a need for them to work less, yet the young graduate is wanting this strong mentorship, and right there, right off the bat, it's a broken model. You come in only for that person to go on fishing trips, and then you're covering all their hours. Where's the mentorship in that? Right. right? So I think, Seth, your question is spot on, because here's the issue of the day. We know that new graduate veterinarians desperately want to be mentored. The sad situation here is if you look at DVM 360, they did a survey this last year of new graduate veterinarians from 2017. And seven out of 10 new graduate veterinarians that graduated in 2017 responded to the survey that they did not feel that they received sufficient mentorship their first year out. So that's the problem. The second problem is a lot of veterinarians, employers recognize that there is the need, but they just don't know how to supply that need. And that's why Adam and I, we're screaming from the mountaintops. Right. It's been a journey. We know what the secret sauce is. Um, We've made every error possible. When I started out mentoring Adam back in 2005, quite frankly, the focus was, hey, I'm going to shape and mold this guy into what I want him to be, only to realize that's not mentorship. And it took us many years to really codify and develop this whole culture of mentorship. So we know the need is there, um, the desire is there, but what we want to try to get out there is how to be a good mentor to a new graduate veterinarian. I think that's the key. Right. And, and a question I just thought about, which is going to require us to take a, a bit of a step back, and, and Dr. Dan, I think this is mainly probably a question for you since... Um, I'll try to put this nicely. You are the most veteran out of the three of us in terms of being a veterinarian in the real world. Um, what, what you can was, say it, Seth. He's old. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, thanks for saying it. Um, the uh, what was the 
I guess the atmosphere like when you were entering the workplace after veterinary school was was mentorships such a big part of what you were looking for in a first job and how much of that did it play a role in in starting your career? Well, here's the key. I always I've always said um, veterinary medicine at its core is an apprenticeship based uh, profession. Um, I use what I call the 70-20-10 rule. Believe it or not, about 10% of what you learn in veterinary school will you actually use and remember. 70% is hands-on. Right. Right? I mean, you, I can, you can learn all day long how to do a spay, but until you do one spay, two spay, three spays, 10 spays, you become proficient. Right. But the key is that 20%. The bridge between that seven, 70 and 10%, that is the mentorship. So to answer the heart of your question, yeah, I, I think I, I, I wanted mentorship, but to be honest with you, that wasn't the, the word that we used. It was I wanted to be in a practice that was responsive to uh, learning, appreciating education, apprenticeship, that type of stuff. But back then, you know, 27 years ago, it was the uh, sink or swim mentality. Right. Go in and do it. Um, that has completely changed. And quite honestly, I'm glad it has. Because nowadays, um, you know, veterinary medicine, think about it, in the last 27 years and the advancements that we have in veterinary medicine, you can't do the sink and swim. Um, it's a lot more uh, technical. Uh, clients are much more demanding. We have the whole social media world that we live in, those types of things. So really the key, the secret sauce is to get in a practice that has the culture of mentorship. I think that's the key. Right. I, I've noticed that too. And I think this may, may at least in my opinion, my, my novice opinion, that some of the, the older generation vets out there, the ones that are getting ready to retire now, like you said perfectly, had this sink or swim um, way of doing things back when they were out of vet school and earlier in their earlier in their career. So, to to no surprise and completely understandable, what they expect of us as new graduates when we come out is that we're just going to get into practice and and kind of learn as we go and and hope that hope for the best. Um, and again, just to echo what you said, is that that's not what we're looking for nowadays, and that's not how we're being taught in school. And I could see from the other side of this that maybe an argument against what new graduates are looking for is, and this would be to an extreme, is that that employers may be thinking we're looking for hand-holding, um, which I totally disagree with, because at least for me, I, I don't want my hand-held. I just want some support. Um, so... My next question for you then is, as we're going to start talking to future employers or even start to do externships and preceptorships and, and get our feet wet out in the real world, how would you recommend uh, students or, or new graduates or soon-to-be graduates approach this topic with an employer that is not so uh, familiar with with mentorship or with supporting new graduates as as they were or or they were not um, back when they were fresh out of vet school. Yeah. Well, I think, I think get rid of the term. I mean, some people aren't, I mean, mentorship's a, a hot topic right now, but again, I, I think there's a lot of different ways you can phrase it. I think if you approached it as, again, as I referenced earlier, here's the things I'm hoping to accomplish. And here's the places that I feel I have a void and I would like some support are you able or willing to help 
A, me accomplish my goals, and B, help me with these certain departments. I mean, Dan and I call it the mentorship checklist, right? I mean, I think every checklist should have confidence, leadership, business, um, uh, how to teach you to handle yourself in a room, obviously some of the medical stuff, not necessarily all the teach me what Parvo is, but how to relay that adequately to a client. So I think by relaying to a potential employer that's not not necessarily using mentorship in their, their common verbiage, mm-hmm. um, but more or less saying, here's where I want to be. And if they're looking at you like you're crazy and going, well, I'm going to throw you in there and you're going to do 20 spays. And I mean, if something happens, it happens. Obviously, that's not the culture you're looking for. And if they have it more of a, a comforting environment where, no, you know, we just hired a young graduate two years ago and here's how we, we worked with them. I mean, if that answers your questions, it, it, it's, not necessarily do you offer a mentorship program as opposed to here's what I'm hoping to get out of it. Are you able to help him help me do that? Right. So Seth, let me use this analogy. For instance, um, many new graduates, they have that checklist that Adam mentioned. For instance, uh, they're interested in ultrasound. Does your practice uh, have an ultrasound? I'll get that question asked routinely, but what they don't ask is, Hey, how many ultrasounds do you do in a week? Mm. Yeah, what kind of point. ultrasounds do you do? So, for instance, the, if you're interested in getting into a practice that you want to be mentored, the questions are incredibly important. So, for instance, ask that potential employer, have you been mentored? Are you in a mentoring relationship? What does mentorship look like in your practice? And then can I talk to some of the younger doctors who have been mentored in your practice? It's like, for instance, if you're interested in surgery and specifically orthopedics, don't ask, do you do cruciates? How many cruciates do you do in a month? Right. How many cruciates do you do in a week? Because guess what? If they do one cruciate in a month, do you know how long it's going to take you to learn how to do cruciate repair? You've got to ask those types of questions. If that's what you want, you, it, it, the questions become critically important. Right. Well, and one further, are they willing I mean, there's something, too, where they offer a service, but are they willing to teach you? I mean, sometimes somebody offers a service, and it's kind of their department. They don't want to let anybody else encroach on that, right? They're almost protective of their service. So are is this a department that you're willing to help me grow in or help me or help mentor me to develop in that department? And if they look at you like, well, we're kind of good there, but here's what we need from you. Right. And again, that's where it's that push-shove as far as what am I gaining versus what, what you're gaining. Right. So I'm hearing you guys say is that not only should we be asking about mentorship when we have these interviews or when we have these meetings with potential future employers, but t- on, on the students and on, on our end, we need to take it a step further and create a list of exactly what we want to be mentored in. It's not enough to say, I want mentorship. We need to be more specific. Sure. Seth, you're totally different than me, right? When I came out, I knew what I wanted. I wanted partnership. I wanted to grow my surgical skills. And I wanted a practice that had the potential to grow. Those were my wants. Now, one of my classmates maybe wanted to go do birds and um, wanted to do more of like a shelter-type medicine-type thing. So a mentorship program, the best way to say it is the employer has to customize their mentorship program around your wants and needs. A, as the employer, am I willing to do that? And then second to that, am I willing to help you accomplish your goals and do all that? So one step further, Seth, as I said earlier, is your your mentorship checklist, yes, but where do you personally want to be? 
And you got to go to those basics first, because if you don't know where you're going to want to be, and I say this all the time, this profession will chew you up and spit you out. Right. And you hear it all the time. People burn out. And they're like, this profession stinks. I don't make any money. Well, a lot of times those people didn't have set goals. And then it goes down to your other two things. It's the same thing I tell all my employees. You can control your attitude and your effort at that point. If you have so, your goals set and you put yourself in line with people that can help you accomplish those goals, then at that point, you're the one driving the ship. Now, if you put yourself in line with somebody that's not going to move you in that direction, you spent 10 years there, then we can't be frustrated with anybody else but ourselves because we put ourselves in that position. Right. Right. So so let me give you two, two key steps that we use in mentorship. Number one, we sit down with our new graduate veterinarians and collectively together why because we want buy-in we sit down and say let's come up with three month six month nine month 12 month goals why because goals are only good if you have time sensitivity and accountability that's what mentorship is all about but key step number two so what happens when we develop a goal but we either we're not accomplishing that goal so for instance i'm going to use an example I want to be proficient at um, getting clients to be compliant. Okay, so after maybe three months, that's not happening. Then we can sit down with that individual and say, how do we need to help you? So here's a case in point. We had one of our young graduates who was really struggling in getting clients to accept some of her medical recommendations. Mm -hmm. So you know what we did? Because we all know if we take another colleague and go to the exam room with them, what happens? We all get in that shutdown process, right? So what we did is we, uh, since we had, mul I'm just using this as an example, we have multiple locations. We took a doctor who literally spent the entire day with this protege and became her technician, went in the exam room the entire day. Think about this for a moment. Another veterinarian, a colleague, just played technician with her for the entire day, somebody who she had a relationship, so she felt comfortable, went in the exam room, and at the end of the day, they just did a brain dump together. Wow. That's what mentorship looks like, because it, it requires what? It requires somebody else's time. You've got a relationship with that individual. That's the stuff that really helps. That's where the rubber meets the road, and that's the stuff you really want to look at. And if a practice is committed to that, wow. That's that's it's just an amazing, amazing opportunity for a new graduate. Right. That's when great. I think one one important point there, Dan, that that was dead on. It, it's it can't be you set the road to mentorship and here's where we go. You constantly have to customize it and change it based upon what's happening, what's happening in their personal life, what's happening. Maybe their goals change. Maybe the dynamic of the practice has shifted. You constantly have to adjust it. But the eye is still on the prize. Here's the goals we set. Here's where we're going to try and get to. And let's go. Right. All right. Well, when we come back after the break, we're going to continue this great conversation and talk more about what we should be looking for and how mentorship can play such a big role in, in our careers. But first, let's get a word in and thank you to today's sponsor, Fear Free. So with the knowledge of Fear Free, you can be financially successful and emotionally wealthy by joining the tens of thousands of your fellow veterinary colleagues who have become Fear Free certified. Fear Free is an online education program. It is free to all veterinary students and talk about adding some more value to you. Past graduates have actually reported job offers that are two to $5,000 higher 
just because they are fear free certified. So this amazing online education program, it is sweeping veterinary medicine. It is totally free to you. It will allow you to do well by doing good and be financially successful and emotionally wealthy in the greatest profession on earth. So don't delay. Go learn more about Fear Free by visiting their website at fearfreepets.com. All right. Welcome back, Dr. Dan and Dr. Adam. Let's get back to it. Let's flip this around here for a second, kind of in the second part of this conversation. So we talked a lot about the the mentorship side from looking at it from the view of of the, the new graduate or, or the veterinary student. Let's flip this around and talk about what you guys, you as uh, meaning the employer or the, the mentor, what do you look for in a great mentee? Like what makes a new graduate or veterinary student one that you guys really want to work with and one that kind of just kind of gets you energized about bringing up this, this new generation of veterinarians? I mean, I, great question. Dan. I, mean sure. I, I said it earlier, I mean, and I'll stick to this, attitude and effort. I mean, if you come in with a good, positive attitude that you want it i mean regardless of circumstances you're sitting there control the variables that you can control and you're sitting there with a positive attitude and willing to learn that's number one and number two is effort and you got to be willing to put in the time i mean if it's your day off on a tuesday and you want to learn orthopedics come in on a tuesday and come watch that's putting that extra effort to kind of put you forth so and that one step further is as i mentioned earlier it's the people that know what they want and if you come to us knowing where you want to be, it really help, makes it easier on our part as an employer to know your wants, your needs, and, and ultimately help you get in that direction. And that's ultimately where a win-win is going to come from. But the people that come in and they're keeping their goals private and then they end up resenting the, 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 the clinic or their surroundings, but if we don't know what you want and need, it, it's going to be hard for us to fulfill those. So simple answer, um, attitude and effort and know what you want. Good. Yeah, what I, what I specifically look for is three things. Number one, somebody who's passionate, passionate about some aspect of veterinary medicine. Number two is a learner. They're teachable. They have a teachable spirit um, because that, that's, that's a key quality, uh, particularly in veterinary medicine. You have to be a lifelong learner. I'll tell you something, Steph, all, and I tell this to my young doctors all the time. Everything I learn in vet school, has pretty much been overturned because um, <laughs> veterinary medicine, it's constantly, constantly changing. Right. And I, th- and I think um, the other key component is I look for humility because one thing about veterinary medicine and take it from somebody like me, I've made my share of mistakes and I've got the, the school of hard knocks. But when you learn from that and you have a humble spirit, wow, the sky is the limit. That's the three key qualities that I look for when I'm interviewing a, a new graduate veterinarian. Cool. Yeah, that's great. And one thing that I, I'm trying to keep in mind as I leave school and enter the the, the workforce is that taking uh, feedback and criticism, I think is going to be a big a big part of, of growing. And I think a big challenge for for new graduates leaving academia. And the reason being, and this may just be my uh, my experience at, at at Mizzou, but I've got a feeling that it's pretty pretty similar across the board. Is that rarely do we get one-on-one verbal feedback from our senior clinicians or residents or whoever it's going to be. Instead, we get maybe maybe a written evaluation about how we did. 
Um, for me, I know that's that's rare, but more more common than not, it's just a grade, um, a letter grade. And and when we get out uh, and start working, obviously we're not going to be graded. Hopefully you're not. Hopefully you're not going to be graded uh, at your job. That may be a red flag. Um, but uh, but getting getting some some critical feedback, um, some some advice on ways to grow may be difficult for some new graduates to to take in, whether it's not, whether it's an ego problem or they're just not used to, to getting uh, constructive feedback in that type of way. Um, but point being is that I think it's really important that, that we as new graduates and as students begin to look at, at that aspect of learning too, is that we're going to be need, needing to have these conversations and sometimes tough conversations about areas that we can grow in. And it may be hard to swallow at first, but um, in my opinion, those are the best ways to learn. I mean, if you don't do something right, or even if you fail at, at something, um, I know for me, that's that's when I actually learn the best, is, uh, when I have those opportunities where I've failed or have not done something well. Um, I turn that around and I actually have a much better uh, result than, than something else. Would you guys agree with that, or, or what are your thoughts on that? I think you just nailed it on the head. I mean, I think... As we've gone our whole lives, I mean, let's be honest, most people that make it to vet school, they're, they're pretty smart. And most of them are pretty type A wired people. So we're used to being perfect. I mean, coming out of vet school, there's one piece of advice. Stop trying to be perfect. There's nothing wrong with being great. That's one of my favorite quotes of all time. I mean, you, you come out, you will make mistakes. I'm telling you right now, I want you to make mistakes. Right. Because the best way you're going to learn... I mean, Dan and my relationship, if we broke you down the whole story, the biggest lessons both him and I have learned have been through mistakes. And I think this trickles back to the mentorship program. Some of the mistakes we've made, yeah, we, we, we it was a hard pill to swallow. But you're darn right, we took the lesson, we moved forward. But if we can trickle that down and pass that down to somebody else and say, here, here's a great example of what I did that you shouldn't do. Over the years, we have accumulation of hundreds of these. I think that's a key part, but anybody coming out trying to be perfect and think they're not going to make mistakes. I, I, I'm sorry to tell you, it's going to happen. You will make mistakes. It's just, it's going to happen. And to me, that's the key to mentorship because mentorship at, at its core has two very important basic things, relationship and trust. It's just like a marriage. You know what? There's going to be times where your spouse will piss you off. But at the core, if you have trust and faith in that individual, you're going to get by those 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 kind of those valley type of experiences. Look, as a new graduate veterinarian, you're going to have valley experiences. But when you've got somebody who is your biggest rah-rah supporter who can come alongside you and lift you up, but also during those opportunities where you need to hear that constructive criticism because they believe in you, that's the core of that relationship. That's, that is a strong, strong ingredient for a successful future veterinarian. That's why mentorship is so very important. So, Right. I, I could not agree more. That's great. Now, here's another kind of weird question, kind of, kind of branch, branching off. Let's say, hypothetically, you're going into a practice that has only one other doctor. You're going to be the second doctor at this practice. Um and that doctor may not be the most enthusiastic when it comes to providing mentorship or, or support for the new graduate, but it's, it's a practice that you really want to be at. Maybe it's the only practice in the area that you want to be in. Um, the question is, what are your thoughts about mentorship 
from a remote source. So from a doctor or somebody else that does not work at the, at the hospital or clinic that you're at. Is that, is it something that could work? Yeah. I mean, I think the other important thing about mentorship we overlook, it's typically not a one-on-one relationship with another doctor. I mean, a good structured mentorship program, the entire staff is bought into it from the CSRs to the technicians, associate doctors, everybody in that practice. You will be shocked when you get out. Some of those key CSRs and technicians, they will teach you just about as much as that other doctor does. Mm-hmm. Whether it's from time management to how to bond and deal with a client, um, the, the medical side of it. Um, but I, I think a big, in the scenario you're giving, there has to be some buy-in with that other person because there's just, there's, as Dan said, the relationship part of it is so important. And if the one protege is wanting it, yet the the employer is not, then I, I just ask myself, how is that going to benefit the, the protege in the long run to help them accomplish their goals, right? Right. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it, Seth, is dependent upon what the goals of that individual may be. Um, so, for instance, I'll use myself as an example. I have a lot of mentors in my life, three mentors in my life, who have taught me a lot about leadership, actually outside of veterinary medicine. A lot of the leadership that I've learned over the last 10 or 15 years are from um, um, leaders who are outside of the veterinary field. Or I'll use Danielle as the example, who's taught me a lot about the whole social media platform. So I think you can have, uh, as you mentioned, long-distance mentors. Uh, but I also think that at the practice level, just the kind of the the day-to-day, I think it's extremely helpful to have buy-in from individuals. It doesn't necessarily have to be another colleague. It could be support staff. I mean, let's face it, some of the, some of the, uh, the things that you learn in a practice on a day-to-day basis are from the support staff. Uh, so I think you can have a combination. If you feel that there's a void there in that, maybe that one or two doctor practice, that you're not getting the full level of mentorship, I think you can certainly look outside of that practice. Um, that That's something that you can certainly consider. Right. Cool. That's great. And back to what you, Dr. Adam, was saying about um, kind of the team mentality. So I, I kind of want to bring this whole great conversation back full circle. It seems to me, at least my takeaway from all of this, is that mentorship is not about finding that one person that's going to be your buddy and that's going to going to take you under their wing and show you the ropes. It's more so or rather what it's becoming and what I really like about this is it's 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 a culture mentality. I forget which one of you had said that, but it's really about the whole team aspect. Is that you want to go into a place that the whole team is enthusiastic about showing a new graduate their version of the ropes and, and taking them collectively um, under their wing. It's not just one person anymore. It's really about kind of the family of the clinic, if you will, um, and making sure that you fit into into their culture, uh, into their team. I think that's going to what's going to set you up for the most success. Is that? Would you say I'm on track there? Oh, I think that's perfect. I mean, and again, I think often we think of a, a protege as a, a young graduate and older veterinarian and that's a relationship but it's so much deeper than that i mean who's to say you need one mentor i mean you could have five different mentors within the same practice it could be uh an associate that graduated two years ago that fills that certain void of showing you that you're going to make it over the hump some surgical experience from that person that's maybe seven years out 
that CSR that comes alongside you and tells you that you're really doing a great job in the room, the positive, positive feedback I'm getting, and that key technician that's just sitting there, your number one rah-rah. I mean, let's be honest, some of the technical skills when you come out aren't great. But, no, I think you nailed it on the head. It's a buy-in. And on our end, when Dan and I start a new practice, it is a culture. We make it very clear. Here are our core values. Mentorship is a key part of our practice. Everybody buys into it. We want anybody that walks in this practice, you need a mentor, and I want you to have a mentee. Whether that is a new associate that has uh, their own mentor, then that's a great point. Every one of our doctors has some type of mentee or mentor in the practice. Right. I think there's a wealth of knowledge that they can spread amongst themselves. And you're two years out, but those vets are the ones that are relaying the message of guys. You don't need that internship that first year out. You can make it. I mean, here's a, this first year out. Here's all the things I learned. And that's huge. But that's a buy-in type mentality in the whole practice. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I would agree with that. You, you, you know you're in a practice where, where the culture allows for mentorship to thrive at all levels. Amongst the doctors, amongst the support staff that the leadership buys into it, and they provide the resources to allow mentorship to be a part of the culture. What does that look like? So, for instance, in our practice, the expectation is at least once a week, the mentor and the protege is going off-site, meeting together maybe for lunch, for dinner, in a social setting outside of the practice, and just having FaceTime. That's that's why you have to be in a practice that allows the resources to be a part of the practice and a part of the culture of the practice. That's very well, that's important. A, that's a great point, Dan. I think all too often, especially in a busy practice, time moves quick. And in a busy practice, it, you're closing before and you're like, you know, we'll catch up tomorrow. We'll catch up tomorrow. You have to make the time to dedicate. Regardless how crazy it is, every two weeks we're going to leave the practice, as Dan said, and, and we're going to, we're going to, get back to those goals. We're going to kind of recalibrate. You don't want the speed of the practice to affect that mentorship relationship. Cause especially that first year out, there's so much you need and want to learn. And a, a, a structured mentorship program should respect that and hopefully take the time and effort to do that. Right. Right. Great. Well, this has been a mind blowing conversation. I thank you guys so much. Um, so Dr. Dan, Dr. Adam, closing thoughts on all of this. I know we, we talked through a whole bunch of stuff, but I guess my last question to close us out is for each of you, what's one big piece of advice you would give to veterinary students, new graduates as they're leaving school, finding that first job, uh, and, and kind of making that big transition? Yeah, let me start out. I would just say this. If, if, if I had to give one piece of advice to a new graduate veterinarian, sit down, take 10 or 15 minutes, and write on a piece of paper, what does specifically a, my goals for the first year and what kind of practice do I want to be involved in? And then what I would say is this, less is more. Instead of interviewing at 12 different practice, interview well at six practices. One thing we've learned is senior veterinarians are some of the busiest people we know. So my recommendation, interview at less practices, but spend more time, mm -hmm. maybe even a day, maybe two days. I think that's going to be my best piece of advice for you. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, think, I think Dan and I are on the same level here. I mean, this is one that I, I would sit down, ask yourself where you want to be. First of all, you made the right choice. I, I, I love this profession, and it breaks my heart when people come out of vet school with their head already down. You made the right choice. So put down where you want to be and then use this profession. Don't let it use you. So how can you use this, this profession to get you where you want to be? If you want to be, if you want to be rich and you want to uh, own a practice and you want to then put all your things in line, align yourself with people that can help you get there and then get there. But you got to have goals first. You graduated. That's great. Now, where do you want to go with it? Perfect. That is an awesome way to end it. Thank you guys so much, Dr. Adam Conroy, Dr. Dan Mark Walder. This is awesome. You guys are great. This has been a lot of fun. So thanks very much, very, very much for joining me on the podcast. Hope you guys had fun. This has been fantastic. This was great. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Definitely. And I will be sure to include uh, information about you guys and your consulting company and anything else that uh, you want me to share with with my listeners uh, on the website in the show notes. So be sure to get that on there. But um, yeah, you guys have such a wealth of knowledge, such great leaders um, in the profession. And I hope that you guys continue to kick ass with what you're doing and, and spread the word on on great mentorship. So thanks again. You bet. Thanks so much, Seth. It's been our pleasure. Hey, thanks, Seth. Best of luck Take to care. you, buddy. Thanks. And one more thank you to today's sponsor, Fear Free. Please do not miss this great opportunity to learn more about Fear Free and become Fear Free certified, which is currently complimentary for veterinary students. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. And with that, thank you so much for listening to the Vet School Unleashed podcast. If you feel so inclined, please be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes. Let us know what you think about the podcast and be sure to click and subscribe. For resources and more information about the podcast, please be sure to check us out at www.vetschoolunleashed.com. Be sure to find me on Instagram at SethTheAlmostVet. I'm also on Facebook. You can also reach out to me via email at Seth at VetSchoolUnleashed.com. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's podcast. I would love to hear your suggestions on topics that you'd like to hear us talk about. Even reach out if you want to be on the podcast yourself and share some insight of your own. So thanks again, and we will talk to you next time on Vet School Unleashed, dissecting the DVM.